0: Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center.
1: Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Let me just talk about the inflation thing, because people are saying, well, what we're spending is causing inflation. The fact that people have jobs always contributes to an increase in inflation, and that's a good thing. But inflation is not a good, you know, we have to contain the wages are not keeping up with prices. That's right. Wow. Wow. By Nancy's standards, that was, to the extent that I understood it, a load of crap. To the extent that it could be understood at all, it was a word salad or a jumble waiting to be solved or something like that. But can you play that one more time? Let me just talk about the inflation Then, because people are saying, well, what we're spending is causing inflation. The fact that people have jobs always contributes to increase in inflation, and that's a good thing. But inflation is not a good... You know, we have to contain yeah, it. wages
0: are not keeping up with prices. That's right.
1: Wow. Wow. And I'm sure if I scan the sheet, we have some sort of Biden rambling like a senile old man moment, too. We don't need it. Everybody's heard that sort of thing enough. Well, uh, I've care. Well, sure. True, but a bad at to pressure. Um, wow. Wow, we have a tendency. I think uh, maybe I do. I'm not going to put this on you. You probably don't. I was going to say we have a tendency to underestimate the groundswell of things that aren't being discussed by the legacy media. Even you know, with all my howling through the years, and Jack's off today. He's taking his son skiing, which is absolutely wonderful. Uh, the youngster had the day off school, so they're spending some. Uh, Dad and son time together, which is great. Um. Anyway, uh where was I? Ah, yes. Uh, in spite of all of our howling through the years about how uh, the media is a funhouse view mirror of uh, funhouse mirror view rather of the United States, how they give you a wildly distorted and crazy view of the American people and what we think and how we feel and how we live and that sort of thing. The, the mainstream media doesn't have the slightest idea what America looks like. Um. And, heck, I've been telling you that, so maybe it's it's crazy that I, I've fallen for this, but I think there's a much, much, much greater groundswell of awareness that all of our leaders are old and senile um, than you would ever get from the mainstream media. It was like um, nobody was talking in Virginia about the 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 seething frustration and anger of parents that their kids weren't being allowed to go to school. And the, you know... Uh, uh, Washington, D.C., suburban Virginia... Uh, you know, intelligentsia, many of whom are our nation's beltway media. They all live there. They all live in Fairfax County and Loudoun County. And my daughter happens to live right there. And so I've spent a fair amount of time there and I become familiar with it. It's just, just it is lousy with people with graduate degrees and BMWs, fine automobile, automob- but anyway. Um, and, and that sort of woke, super advanced, uh, bleach toothed white people politics. Um, and so they didn't talk about it at all because they were so in favor of all the COVID crackdown crap. And so, yeah, there was this enormous groundswell of that. And um, I think there probably is in America, too. You just don't hear about it because nobody's willing to write about it in the mainstream media. But I think, I think we're all becoming aware that we're just being horribly ill-served. And look, if I'm going to be bipartisan about it, Mitch McConnell... I think he was there at Kentucky's founding. I mean, please, surely. You know, we want to stick on the right side of the aisle, and frankly, I'd like to. Tom Cotton, Ben Sass. There are so many great, crazy smart Republican senators that ought to be heading the thing up. But, you know, it's not about smarts and effectiveness. It's about fundraising, honestly. And that's why, you know, Nancy... For all of her sins, evidently, is some sort of just devastatingly effective fundraiser. So is McConnell. So is Schumer. God, I wouldn't donate a dollar to Chuck Schumer if he was going to save my life with it. But I guess they're good at it. So, you know, so we're stuck with what we got. Anyway, totally different topic. Um, I, I read with interest the American Gaming Association Was estimating last week that more than 31 million American adults planned to bet on the Super Bowl, which is allegedly a 35 percent increase from the year before. So, if I'm to believe that, another 10 million people were going to bet on the Super Bowl. I just probably because you know the whole betting and gambling thing is so out now. But um, and uh, Ross Duthat, who writes for the New York Times, he's a conservative. Um, I, he has to probably fight his way in and out of the newsroom with a machete and a sidearm. Um, and, but, uh, anyway, he writes for them. He wrote, it's not surprising given that the thin wall separating the games from the gambling industry is being torn away. Once we've decided that some forms of gambling should be legally available in some places with some people profiting, profiting, it became inevitable that restrictions would eventually crumble on a much larger scale. And this is a little excerpt I read, which made me want to click on the article or the editorial. The multi generational path from Las Vegas and Atlantic City to Native American casinos to today's ubiquitous online gambling looks like one continuous process with no natural stopping place along the way. But the trouble is that societal health often depends on law and custom not being perfectly consistent, not taking every permission to its logical conclusion. And, uh, just a what what do you call it a disclaimer in, in advance i i gambled on the super bowl yesterday it was just a couple of different pools i was in i generally and i have gambled on sports events before a little bit just a little bit i've always been i've had the gift of when i like something more than i should or i can feel it leading to something unhealthy i'm pretty good at cutting it off um, and I do that with gambling. I like it. Sometimes I, I think, wow, that team is clearly gonna win. I'll throw a few bucks down there. And you know, I lose as much as I win. So, you know, I, I'm not anti gambling at all. Um, I've I've gone to casinos, I've gone to card rooms, I I do it a little bit. But having said that, his argument's really an interesting one, and, and this is a little egg headed. Then we'll we'll get back into the news of the day in a second. But um his idea is And this is this is so this is boggling my mind when historians, future historians ponder the forces that unraveled the American social fabric between the 1960s and the 2020s. I hope they spare some time for one besetting vice in particular. No, not gambling. The vices are fatal impulse toward consistency. This transformation, he's talking about the gambling thing, will separate many millions of non wealthy Americans from their money. Very often harmlessly, but in some cases disastrously, with a lot of sustainable or are they gambling addictions falling somewhere in between. I say you live your own life, you take responsibility for your choices. And I am, that is my one key principle. Because without that principle, you step down the truly slippery slope. Of you're not responsible for you, we are, and that leads to all sorts of, of of stuff. And then he talks about, you know, how we've gone from just a teeny tiny bit of gambling in some places to more and more and more, till it's it's more or less ubiquitous. And, and but here's here's the part that I find interesting—not the gambling stuff so much. The trouble is that societal health often depends on law and custom not being perfectly consistent, not taking every permission to its logical conclusion. Um, What you want is for society to be able to say this far and no further, even if the limiting principle is somewhat arbitrary. Did it make rational sense to have the betting of our youths? I'm talking to all of us listening when a couple of American cities were gambling havens for accidental kind of historical reasons. Did it really make sense that it was okay there and not everywhere else? No. No. Not really. If gambling is bad, it's bad everywhere. And if it's okay for Nevadans, why shouldn't it be okay for everyone? Do thought rights and did it make constitutional sense for this arbitrary system to be partially cropped up by a federal ban on state sanctioned sports gambling? No, the Supreme Court decided in 2018. That doesn't make any sense. And this is especially hard for us lovers of liberty to consider, but that's why, that's why I like it. I like it because it's kind of thorny. That contingent, somewhat irrational, arguably unconstitutional system nevertheless struck a useful balance making gambling available without making it universal. Encouraging Americans to treat the gambling experience as a holiday from the everyday. Not seriously wicked, but still a little shameful or maybe overindulgent, which why is why it stays under the table or in Vegas, you know, just kind of... Off the radar. And he makes the point about pornography. Where the difficulty of identifying a perfectly consistent rule that would allow the publication of Lolita, for instance, but not, he says, penthouse, has led to a world where online porn doubles as sex education and it's assumed that the internet will always be a sore and we just have to live with it. And I think hardcore porn has done so much damage to our kids and their relationships and their marriages and their attitudes about sex and the rest of it. Oh, uh, and his point is, and, and I've, uh, you know, as a student of constitutional law, you know, both in college and, and since, I've been following this obscenity argument in the courts for a long time. And what, what Ross is arguing, and I get, but it's so hard to, like, write down in full sentences is what the supreme court justices and what society said for a long time is yes lolita's okay even though it's it's really sexual but having kids access to hardcore stuff or or you know whatever that's not good it's too much i don't know why i can't write a consistent you know a constitutionally defensible standard but just don't we all know that, that that's okay and this isn't and and it just feels like we're we're getting too much of it or or marijuana the, the stupidity and waste and cruelty of some of the drug war stuff that notwithstanding we somehow arrived at a point with pot where if you wanted to smoke it, you could find it, and if you got caught with it, if it was for personal use, you weren't going to get in much trouble, you know, but we didn't have a situation where where zillions of people are just getting stoned out of their minds and ruining their minds and sitting in the basement playing video games and never getting a career, never getting a relationship, never getting a a, a real toehold in life. Can you write a constitutionally sound explanation of why it was okay to quasi-illegally smoke some pot, but this is way too far? I don't know. I could geek out on this stuff all day long. I don't mean to bore you to death with it, but it's an interesting question, isn't it? A lot of you are really smart. A lot of good life experience. You probably ought to have radio shows yourselves, podcasts. What do you think about this? The, the whole I-know-it-when-I-see-it thing. The whole a little is, is is okay, but a lot's too much, and how do you deal with that as a society? Do us a favor, throw some thoughts together, email us, mailbag at Armstrongandgetty.com. Maybe we'll get together tomorrow and, and read some of what you wrote. Because to me, especially as a lover, lover a, lover, a land lubber, a liberty lover, especially as a lover of liberty, it's just an intriguing question. Especially, you know, you're raising children in a society, and they, they take in what they see around them. And they, You don't lecture kids about morals. They absorb morals based on your example and what they see in a society. So what do you think? Mailbag at com. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. More to come. Stay with us.
0: The Armstrong and Getty Show. Ladies and gentlemen, our takeover of General Motors is complete. Dr. Evil,
1: we can now use GM's Ultium platform to power our whole operation. Now we can reduce tailpipe
0: emissions. I'm sorry, am I no longer Dr. Evil? I'm Dr. Good now? I didn't get the meme at Climate change is arguably the number one threat to the world now. Dr. Evil,
1: you are now the number two threat to the world. I refuse to be number two, number two. One of the somewhat amusing commercials during the Super Bowl yesterday, I was at a, a gathering, a Super Bowl party, if you will. I was supposed to go to two, but we got stuck at the one, so I got to apologize to my neighbors. They're such nice people. Anyway, I uh, got stuck at the first one and uh, won, though. Our, our numbers came up end of the first quarter. Oh, yeah, Score. And then, of course, my greed kicked in, and I stopped paying attention to the game as a game and just was trying to figure out the entire game, what combination of scores and defensive stops would get us to win again, which we did not. But, uh you know, it's a nice little payday anyway. Anyway, where was I? Ah, yes, the commercials. So uh, I couldn't really hear the commercials and ended up um going back. And and actually, before the show today, I, I crammed a bunch of them on the Internet. And there's uh, some clever stuff. But the, the whole Super Bowl commercial thing is over. I mean, if if there is ever a crop that is so clever, so innovative, so visually stunning that we decide to talk about them again, we will. But for now, eh, it's a tired topic. A uh, couple of... COVID stories, one uh, bad, one good. And this is just, uh, this is not droning on and on about policy. I know I've done that enough. Um, but just a, a couple of updates of significance. A uh, large scale scientific study found that coronavirus patients were at a substantially higher risk of heart disease one year after their illness, increasing the odds of clots, arrhythmias, heart failure, and related conditions. The risk of heart diseases grew progressively depending on the severity of the COVID illness. According to researchers who analyzed health records for more than 153,000 U.S. veterans who had COVID, results were published in Nature Medicine, I think, last week, the end of last week. One of the first comprehensive studies tracking long-term effects associated with COVID-19. Many patients have reported brain fog, fatigue, weakness, loss of smell that persists for months after an infection. And some researchers believe those long COVID symptoms may be linked to the increased risk of cardiovascular illness. Although there is still a lot that's not known about this insidious, insidious disease customized in the Wuhan lab and I believe it accidentally uh, let loose on the world and then covered up by China, Dr. Fauci, the National Institutes of Health, and the, and, uh, the WHO. That is my opinion. I think we've made that clear. But, I, you know, I, I still say, for this reason and others, get the damn vaccine, all right? But it's up to you, totally up to you. Uh, good news is the Omicron appeared to elude... The monoclonal antibodies that at least one or two of the big pharma companies come up with, and so the authorization to use them was yanked because they didn't work anymore. They didn't work against Omicron. Uh, FDA on Friday gave emergency authorization to a new monoclonal antibody drug. Uh, who is this? Uh, who came up with this one? I can't remember. Eli Lilly. Ah, uh. so combined with a couple of other pills that are out there but hard to get i mean ridiculously hard to get but they exist there are some really good treatments out there too so one more reason the emergency is over it's endemic it's part of life move on get the masks off the kids start living your life if you miss a part of the show you can always grab the podcast later and getty
0: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: The U.S. is now warning of an all-out invasion of Ukraine and
0: says there's mounting evidence that Russia is poised to attack again, this time with a multi-axis assault using ground troops, amphibious forces, airstrikes, and even ballistic missiles. But Zelensky says those dire warnings
1: are doing more harm than good the best friend for enemies that is panic in our country and all this information that helps only for panic doesn't help us i'm still a little mystified what zelensky's playing at there an update obviously of the situation ukraine russia encircling that poor beleaguered land getting ready to maybe invade and zelensky trying to play it cool and i've got to admit I, i'm mystified and have been for quite some time i think Is he trying to play it that it's unthinkable that Russia would invade? Stop acting like it's fait accompli so that when they go in, it just seems like the craziest and worst thing that's ever happened. Maybe that's what he's playing at. I mean, to prepare for something that is at least somewhat likely to happen, that's not causing panic. That's causing preparedness if you do it right. So his argument doesn't really hold together. I think maybe he's freaked out by the fact that quite a few countries yanked all of their diplomatic staff, or virtually all of their diplomatic staff and civilians and all, out of uh, Kiev. Um I wonder if that's what he's reacting to. Uh, by the way, the the voice we heard was uh, David Martin on Face the Nation. Uh, let's get a little more from him. Clip number 71. Russia now has 80% of the forces it would need Uh, to conduct an all out invasion and the rest are on their way. Some of those uh, troops that we have seen uh, parked bumper to bumper in those assembly areas in satellite photos, Mm -hmm. they're starting to move out of those assembly areas a little closer to the border, but not yet into what you would call an attack position. Boy, get him a drink of water or turn down the mic level or something. He, the amount of saliva noise there was really disconcerting. I'm sorry, there's an invasion about to happen. But, so it looks like things are moving toward from uh, ready to steady to go, uh, if you will. Um, whoops, I'm sorry, I just got distracted. Oh, there, uh, David Martin had a little more to say. We'll play that, Michael. seventy-two. The U.S. has intelligence that Putin has told his commanders to... Be ready to go on the 16th, which is Wednesday. Now, whether it all plays out according to that timetable remains to be seen. But we are clearly at crunch time. Wow, Wednesday. When did the Olympics end? I've totally lost track. I have hardly paid attention to the Olympics over the last several days. Um, can somebody check that real quick? This Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Because, you know, the pooter, as we all remember, or some of us remember, uh, moved on the Crimea the day after the Olympics ended in Sochi. I wonder if, and this would, this, I mean, this is one plus one equals two, uh, having just announced that big new buddy ship with China. You remember Putin and Xi together smiling, shaking hands and having signed some sort of 2,000-page agreement of we're we're besties now, whatever the hell that was a couple of weeks ago. Um, It makes perfect sense that Putin agreed to hold off on distracting the world from the Beijing Beijing Olympics until after the Olympics are over. So squaring that with what David Martin said, yeah, something tells me the intelligence is slightly garbled. This is just a guess, but uh, that the troops... Uh, the Russian troops are supposed to be at full operational readiness on the starting blocks to uh, make an incredibly unfortunate Olympic uh, metaphor um, and, and ready to leap forward at, uh, you know, at the signal on Wednesday. But, indeed, it will be probably Monday, next Monday, before it happens. Yeah, I, I went from thinking that it was 60-40 unlikely that he invades Um Just based on you know the think tank piece I mentioned a couple of times from a Euro think tank guy, he said, no, no, no. He's using this. That would would if he if if Putin invades Ukraine, that's going to bring NATO back together. That's going to solidify NATO. That's going to bring Europe and the United States closer together. He can get way more concessions out of acting like he's going to invade. And I thought, ah, I get it now. Okay, but now judging by what I've seen the last couple of days and some of the reports, like the one we just heard. This is a hell of a lot of trouble to go to for a bluff. Uh, I just think he wants to restore the Soviet Union to its grandeur. And trust me, he thinks of Russia in terms of the Soviet Union. And so, you know, unless he can get just crazy concessions, which, which is, I think, one of his options. I mean, if he can get the world to give up so much... If he doesn't invade, he goes ahead and takes that deal. That's an option. But option number one is that he goes ahead and grabs a substantial part of Ukraine, repatriates it, in his mind, to Russia. Um, But, you know, as we've said in many contexts, be careful letting loose the dogs of war. They don't run where you want them to. They don't necessarily bite who you want them to, and they don't always come back home when you think they're going to. So, ugliness not as ugly, but fairly chaotic, the Great White North, America's Hat, Canada, Uh, the whole gigantic truckers' protest deal, which became much more than the truckers' protest, if you're not following this. I mean, it was kind of the hardest core of it was the truckers clogging up uh, streets in Ottawa around the, the parliament and then just streets all over the place in Ottawa and then the bridges into the United States and the rest of it allegedly there's some progress some negotiations taking place uh the authorities arrested a whole bunch of people yesterday on Sunday um who had been blockading that uh that uh, ambassador bridge that ties Windsor to Detroit um Windsor Ontario to Detroit they got that open and flowing again allegedly although as of late yesterday it was still empty um there back channel or uh, negotiations going on they're trying to Hmm. I was going to say softly, but not exactly softly, Uh, fairly gently unknot some of this stuff while continuing to hold discussions with the truckers groups and the protest groups and the rest of it. Um, but, you know, uh, not some of the most uh, vexing parts of it, some of the parts of it that were like driving people insane in neighborhoods in Ottawa. I'd imagine people have just moved out and, and gone, stayed in a hotel or stayed at Uncle Jim's place or whatever, um, and also clogging up those bridges, which was starting to do tens of millions of dollars worth of economic damage. And as we discussed last week, you know, it's a tough call. I agree with them completely, almost completely. A lot of the things they're saying about uh, how uh, stupid and arbitrary and and overly long the COVID uh, stuff is, how the uh, vaccine mandates to cross the border are just dopey. Since you know a trucker, un, an unvaccinated trucker doesn't pose any threat to me at all. I'm I'm vaxxed up the wazoo. Plus, I've had the vids, so I just I don't care. Truck along, mother truckers. Uh, but anyway, uh, so it's become a protest in favor of liberty. I'm in favor. I, I think it's absolutely wonderful, and I think it's amazing that so many Canadians are making such huge sacrifices. They're spending weeks protesting the arbitrary and idiotic dictates of their lame-brained, limp-wristed, dopey little prime minister Justin Trudeau. At the same time though, if they are seriously impacting other people's liberty, if they're breaking the law, certainly if they're doing any damage, you know, I can't I can't condemn that when BLM does it and then praise it when the truckers do it. So, watching this uh not dissolve if you will uh, going forward it's gonna be really interesting how does a country like Canada deal with such an enormous expression of dissatisfaction by its people without getting heavy-handed without causing a bigger problem uh, the good news is so far there hasn't been a lot of head splitting and, and ugliness and crime uh, unlike the protests the u.s saw a couple of summers ago and um, but the bad news is it takes really good, smart, far-seeing leadership to deal with a problem like this. And I don't think Canada has it, at least in terms of the aforementioned dip-ass prime minister. Michael, do you have our favorite? LGBTQ2+. plus? Yeah, I'm not sure he's the Winston Churchill that's going to lead them out of the current uh, trouble. To say the least. But it'll be interesting to see going forward. Hey, we have one more segment. We're going to finish strong if we possibly can. Jack's uh, skiing with his son today. The the boy had a day off. It, it worked out perfectly. I think it's wonderful. Some dad-son time is the most important thing in the world. Uh, so, uh, like I said, we'll try to finish strong when we come back. Armstrong and Getty.
0: The Armstrong and Getty Show. And at the recommendation
1: of Dr. Moore, we will lift proof of vaccination requirements for all settings. Today's announcement is not because of what's happening in Ottawa or Windsor, but despite it, this plan was in place long before the protests uh, were, were out there. To those who are still there, to those of you who are there, with the sole objective of causing disruption and chaos, there'll be serious consequences for this lawless activity. That's uh, Doug Ford, I think, the brother of the late uh, drug addict, drunken, overweight uh, mayor of Toronto. Um, interesting. And uh headline just breaking, Trudeau Ways Invoking Emergencies Act to End the Protest. I think if Trudeau, and... and in their parliament, his party actually doesn't have a majority. It's a minority party, not terribly popular. They've formed a coalition with other parties, gives them a majority. So he's the prime minister, but they do not have anything close to a mandate. I mean, they make Joe Biden look like he does have a mandate. If he moves in with a heavy hand on this, I think it will change Canada forever. I think this could be a pivotal moment in Canadian history. Um, We'll have to see. I'd intended to move on, but I just thought that was really interesting. This is just breaking. Oh, spree- speaking of breaking news, we talked about this earlier. I'm going to play you this clip, then uh, I'll hit you with the punchline. This is Steve Hilton, uh, who we've talked to many times. The, the, the new next revolution was Steve Hilton on Fox News Sunday nights. Uh, clip 61, Michael.
0: But now we know, thanks to these documents, the factual background attached to a motion filed by special counsel John Durham as part of his indictment against former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman, that the Clinton campaign paid a tech firm to quote, mine internet data to establish an inference, and narrative, tying then-candidate Trump to Russia. In Durham's words, this included quote, non public and or proprietary internet data. What does mining non public and proprietary data mean? It means hacking. It means spying. And look at their targets, according to Durham. Quote, Internet traffic pertaining to one, a particular health care provider, two, Trump Tower, three, Donald Trump's Central Park West apartment building, and four, the executive office of the President of the United States. Yes, you heard that right. They hacked not just Trump Tower, but the White House after Trump became president. They hacked the White House. These people who pose as defenders of democracy. How is that even possible? So that's
1: from the actual indictment documents and in a, a uh, I can't remember the legal term. Some papers just unleashed Friday from the Durham probe, the Clinton campaign and its lawyers hired hackers to hack into, I mean, several places, including Trump tower and his apartment, but computers in the executive offices of the president, the sitting president. So, They were trying to hack during the campaign, then after the campaign, to prove some sort of connection between Trump and Russia that they never found. So this is obviously enormous information, especially when people are making the hilarious leap that, you know, the Democratic field is wide open. What about Hillary? Hillary 2024. I just... uh, I'm astounded anybody would even say that out loud, how quickly you forget. But so the reason I bring all that up is because it it is enormously important. And I'm scanning, for instance, the New York Times. It was often called the paper of record, as in like for the United States of America. There's a headline about uh, Russia says uh, diplomacy could still work. I'm seeing if, if the New York Times is covering this at all. There's another Russian troops story. There's Germany and the Russian pipeline, energy markets in Germany. There we go. Uh, Trude- Trudeau weighs invoking Emergencies Act and protests. Talked about that. Uh, there's Ontario with uh, vaccine requirements. Uh, North American auto industry is lumbering back to life. Hosting the Olympics is costly. For China, it's worth every billion. These are all pretty big stories. They haven't gotten to the Durham probe yet. Uh, Camila Vilieva can compete but will not receive medals. The doping little Russian skater who landed the quad but was doping, they're going to let her skate but won't give her any medals until her doping case is resolved. All right. Uh, let's see. There's a women's hockey story. Still no Durham probe. Uh, Super Bowl's Hollywood moment outshines NFL problems, whatever that means. Uh, There's the uh, Rams win the Super Bowl. There's a review of Dr. Dre and all the hip-hop oldies crew. And and Snoop Dogg grabbing his crank for some reason during his performance. Still no time for Durham. Pedestrian deaths are spiking in the U.S. Oh, people are getting hit by cars. That's not good. Okay, why did you just reset there? I don't want the most popular stories. I want where I was. Uh, uh, People getting hit by cars. Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall, tested positive for the vid
0: <laughs> that gets a,
1: that's right Dr. Cardi that gets a headline still nothing on uh Hillary and her lawyers were hacking the White House. Western drought is the worst in twelfth centuries it's a, it is pretty bad some uh, article on Peter Thiel a different flu serial killers and wildlife poachers no I just there's not enough room on the internet to even mention that story you biased little liars you it's final thoughts boys
0: that'll do boys soon we'll hear your comments entertain us give us closure For the show is nearly done.
1: It's a beautiful thing. A beautiful, beautiful thing. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, me. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. There he is, our technical director, pressing the buttons expertly today, keeping us on the air, Michelangelo. Final
0: thought, Michael? Yeah, getting some kind words in text um, from people who used the cheese dip recipe that I suggested. I'm a... Glad you liked it, but I ate too much, and I'm suffering today, so.
1: I'm not 18 anymore. I can't eat like I used to. You know what gets me is, we went to this party last night, and it was fantastic. Great people. Everything was terrific, but you see like 17 different foods you want to try. You can't, unless you're 18 years old, you can't eat 17 different foods, or your stomach will go ker-bluey. Young Alex, our behind-the-scenes producer, has a final thought for us. Alex? I tried Michelangelo's bean dip as well, and my God, it was the best thing we had all night long. I'm now a firm believer. I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention it is Valentine's Day. Makayla, I love you dearly. I can't wait to marry you this May. That's fabulous. Good for you two crazy kids. Yeah, Uh, I love my wife, too. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, so now if nobody says it, we're assuming they don't love their... All right. Um... What was I going to say? Oh, oh, the thing about the cheese dip, Michael, it's one of those foods that you, you eat a lot of it and you think, oh, God, that's too much. I feel a little bit sick. That's yeah, I overdid it. Five minutes later, you're reaching for it again. Oh, boy. My final thought is continuing to scan The New York Times. This story is more important than the Durham indictments. A pandemic puppy can offer a completely new perspective on your world. And wondering whether your sweatpants are organic. I don't even know what that means. The cotton? No Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Thank you for listening, obviously. Go to armstrongandgetty.com to grab the hot links. Got some good stories we talked about, articles we discussed. If you want to read them, that's where they are. Send them around to your friends. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America.
0: Armstrong and
1: Getty. Match made in heaven. Oh my God, this show has everything. We are
0: clearly at crunch time. No, no, that's not what I was told. So everybody chill. The utter shamelessness of it is just staggering. This is a moment when we must look at ourselves in the mirror and we must learn. Just forget it. What do we want to be? Losers or winners?
1: I want winners.
0: Okay. Thank you all very
1: much. Armstrong and Getty.